We're in a spiritual battle. Every day of our lives. And you have to decide whether or not your strength will be from God. Whether you're going to put on the whole armor of God, as Paul says in Ephesians 6. You know, this, this week we come to a close in our study in the book of Philippians. And it's been about 10 weeks that we've been working through this book. Uh, and there's so much here. There's so much to be learned, lived, encouraged about, thankful for. And I hope it's been challenging to you, encouraging to you, and that God has opened the eyes of your heart to see who you truly are in Jesus Christ. But this week we finish. This is the last part of the book of Ephesians. The second part of the armor of God. Last week we looked at three pieces of the armor of God, and this week we're going to look at the other three pieces. But instead of just reading the final six, uh, the final four verses, five verses, we're going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up again the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would help us to understand your truth today. Father, help us to understand areas in our lives where we might be lacking when it comes to the armor of God. Father, maybe we are, we're, we're great at speaking truth, but we don't truly understand who we are in Christ. And, and Father, we ask that you would help us to gain that concept of, of who we are in you and what it means to put on the armor every single day. In Jesus' name. The first, the first verse we're going to look at, verse 16. So last week we looked at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and who remembers? That's a tricky one because no one's really sure what to say. Is it the boots of peace, the shoes of peace, the sandals of peace? 
right? The shoes, right? The shoes to carry the message of the gospel to other people, right? The belt of truth that we are to be people of truth and of the only truth, right? The breastplate of righteousness that we know who we are in Jesus, our position, right, before God, but also, but also that we are living a righteous life. And the shoes ready to carry the gospel of peace that we are ready to share the gospel with anyone who comes to declare of God's greatness. Today we're going to start in verse 16. I'm just joking. <laughs> That's, I, I had a professor in college one time who answered the phone. If your phone went off in his class, he would answer your phone. He would answer your phone. <laughs> that is a little bit scary, right? A little bit scary. <laughs> In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. You know, faith is such an important thing in our lives. And Paul describes it here as a shield. And, and with this shield, you can extinguish the arrows that Satan shoots your way. Not some arrows. This, this, this shield isn't something that, that you just hold up in front of you and it's going to block some of Satan's arrows, right? It's so that you can block all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, now what Paul would have been writing about is, is one of the shields that the Roman army would have carried with them. Now, if you look at this shield, this covers your whole body. Sometimes when you will see old movies and stuff like that, there'll be the little round shield. You know what I'm talking about? The little round shield, right? This is not what Paul would have been referring to. He would have been referring to a shield that would have covered the whole body of a soldier. No arrows were getting through that shield. That's the picture that, that our faith is to depict and when it comes to the armor of God is that our faith is what we say no. When Satan sends things your way, when he sends discouragement and, and all other types of things, faith is where it stops. We have to make sure that our faith doesn't waver. You know, one of the interesting things about these shields was that they needed daily maintenance. They had to be taken care of every day. And if they weren't taken care of, eventually the wood would begin to rot and they would become very brittle and they would break apart. And the same thing goes in our lives. Is we need to be growing in our faith. There's, a, there's an old hymn I remember it was, it was number one in the hymnal at a, a small missionary church in Bolivia that we would go to sometimes. Hymn number one. And, and it's, it's this hymn. My faith has found a resting place. Right? My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. Verse two says, enough for me that Jesus saves this ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. The chorus is, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Verse 3, my heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God, salvation by my Savior's name, and salvation through his blood. See, faith is how we answer 
Satan's attack. As the flaming arrows continue to come in your life, your faith is your shield. (laughs) No, I'm not discouraged because I know that God is greater. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. So you, you've put on your belt, you've put on your breastplate, you've put on your shoes, and now you have your shield. And we have all of these things because we know that Satan is scheming to steal, kill, and destroy. I love that video where it talks at the end and it says, the lion may roar, as Satan is described in Scripture as a roaring lion seeking to devour. The lion may roar, but I see his leash. Because as, as, as loud as Satan might roar in your life, as, as many arrows as he might shoot at you, your God, our God, the only God, is greater. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. When life is good and when it's hard. And with that, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We're going to break this verse into multiple parts, but the first part is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? See, as Christians, we know in life we are going to go through difficult times. Some some go through situations that are unimaginable to other people as we looked at the persecuted church a couple of weeks ago. We, We can't relate with some of those things being in America. Having to be afraid that you're your church doors are are going to be broken down and people are going to come in with AK-47s. We can't imagine that. We're not there. But even though we can't imagine that, it does not mean that we don't go through extremely hard times as well. It's it's a guarantee in life that you will have trouble, right? Those are Jesus' words. In this life, you will have trouble. You will. It's a promise. As Christians, you're going to have trouble. There, there's, sometimes you'll hear uh, certain preachers, and, I, and no names, but th- that will say, you know, you come to Jesus and everything gets better. Well, in, inside, <laughs> but not always on the outside. Sometimes coming to Jesus means you lose things, people, friendships. Sometimes coming to Christ well, it doesn't always mean things get easier. But Paul tells us in this battle that we need to put on the helmet of salvation. And I, and I think what that, what that reminds us of is as we go through problems in our lives, we already know the end, right? Do you remember VCRs? Remember VCRs, right? How many, how many still here still have a VCR? All right. 
That's, I love when the, everybody's sitting together and the whole family puts their hand up, right? VCR, I think we, have, we had someone, when, I don't know if that came with us or not. We still have some VHS tapes, but do you remember on a VCR when you would uh, have the remote, and the remotes felt like they were huge too, right? And you'd press the button, right? And it would fast forward, and you could fast forward all the way to the end of the movie or rewind, right? And, and now so many people stream things and you can't always fast forward and, and all that kind of stuff, but when you had a VHS player, you could fast forward to the end or rewind to the beginning. As Christians, we, we already know the end story. We know who wins. Jesus wins. And through all of the troubles in life, we, we aren't promised that we're going to be healthy or we're going to be, uh, have all of the finances we need. We're, we're not promised any of those things, but what we are promised is victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. And this helmet of salvation that we put on is one that we remember the ending. We remember our salvation. You know, Scripture speaks so much of protecting our minds. Do you realize that then in our life, oftentimes the battle is fought in the mind? Oftentimes the battle is fought in the mind. Scripture says that we are to take captive every thought. We're told to think about certain things. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Why? Because if you're thinking about something else, then it's not good. Oftentimes the battle we fight in our lives is one of the mind. And here we put on a helmet to protect our mind. And this helmet is one of salvation. One that says, here's the end story. Here's what happens. Here's who wins. And even though in your life Satan is shooting darts at you and trying to discourage you, make you feel like you're not worth anything, you say, I already know who wins. I know the end of the story. It's a spoiler alert. So we've put on the belt. We've put on the breastplate. We've put on the shoes. We've picked up our shield. Now we've put on our helmet. And now we come to the only offensive weapon that's given in the armor of God. Everything else is defensive. The helmet protects you. The shield protects you. The, 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 your shoes protect your feet. The breastplate protects your chest. And the belt holds everything together, right? <laughs> but now you come to a sword. The only offensive piece in the whole armor. In the very beginning of, of, of this section... Paul writes that we are to put on the whole armor of God. Right, the whole armor. And he says it twice. And whenever something is said twice in Scripture, it's something that, that tells us, hey, we need to pay attention to this. I need to reread it and make sure I'm understanding why they're saying it a second time. There's a limited number of words in the Bible, right? And all Scripture is God-breathed. We know that. So every single word that is in Scripture is because God specifically wanted it to be there. So if God repeats something... Watch out. 
And Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And the last piece is the sword of the Spirit. God's Word, the Bible. Uh, through this series, we've been challenged to read through the book of Ephesians every week, and I know it doesn't always happen, but I hope you've been able to read through it at least a couple times. If I asked you this question this morning, who knows the Bible? Who knows God's Word? What would come to your mind? Well, if you're a child, sometimes you'll say, well, well, mom and dad really know God's Word, or grandma and grandpa really know God's Word, or maybe you're a student of the Word, and you say, I, I really know the Word. But you know who else knows the Bible? Satan knows the Bible. Satan knows the Bible. And he understands it. The classic illustration of of the sword of the Spirit and of Satan's knowledge of Scripture is found in Matthew 4. And I want to read through that this morning as we kind of break, break it down. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We know that Jesus on this earth went through temptation. He never sinned, but he was tempted, right? And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Can you imagine not eating for 40 days and 40 nights? And how hungry you must have been. How hungry Jesus would have been in that situation. The tempter and Satan came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, so Satan tries to tempt Jesus with something, and Jesus responds with scripture. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Right? Listen, Jesus, you just told me it was some scriptures. I'm going to come back to you with some scripture, <laughs> right? I want you to understand. I know what you're talking about. I know how hungry you are. I know how difficult this has been. So I'm going to, I'm going to come to you with some scripture. And, and Satan says, he will command his angels concerning you. He doesn't just mention one part. He says, and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against know who knows the Bible? Satan knows the Bible. And his, his job, what he is trying to accomplish, is to steal, to kill, and destroy, and devour you. This, this battle that we are engaged in, this spiritual warfare, is not something that we just brush aside in life. Because Satan will even use Scripture. So Satan says these two things to Jesus. He gives him scripture. And what, how does Jesus respond? It says, Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knew scripture better than Satan. He knew what was true. You know, I, I think sometimes in our lives, as people, we, we, we know we have to put on the, the whole armor of God every day and, and we go and we get our sword. Because you know what? I learned John 3.16 in Sunday school 20 years ago. 
And I haven't really learned much of Scripture since then because, you know, I mean, it is. I, I, I you know, come to church every week, but I, I don't look at the Word of God. I, I, I have faith and I, I, I trust Him, but I, I'm not going to really read the Word of God. And you come out every day and you put on your helmet and your belt and your breastplate and your shoes and you pick up a dagger. You pick up a dagger. But see, we're, we're not supposed to, we're not told to pick up the dagger of the Spirit, are we? Because Scripture is so much greater than that. We're told to pick up the sword of the Spirit. There's something different about holding a dagger in your hands and holding a sword. First of all, everybody listens a lot better when you have a sword in your hand. I'm just going to preach like this every week. <laughs> um, David Watson said that it was with repeated sword thrust that Jesus overcame his adversary in the wilderness. See, if, if Jesus wouldn't have known Scripture, and I, I know we can go, that, what I'm trying to say is if we don't know Scripture, and Satan brings Scripture to you, how are you to know how to respond? When difficulties come in life, if you're carrying a dagger around, how are you to know how to respond? You've been given the word of God. I'm going to put this away. We've been given the word of God. You know, in, in this country we live in, and you've heard me talk about this time and time and time again, we, we are blessed beyond understanding with how many different avenues we have to access God's word. Sometimes I think we act like spoiled children, right? If you've ever seen a, a spoiled child before. And we do the same thing with God's word because we've been given so much of it. And you look at the countries where people have a page. And they memorize it. And memorize it. And memorize it. And memorize it. Because they know this battle is real, and God didn't just give you his word so it can sit on your nightstand, but because as Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Paul says, this is a spiritual battle. Can you imagine with me for a moment? Your only weapon, you're going into battle, your only weapon is a sword. You know this battle is fierce. And so what do you do? You pick up your sword once a week for 30 minutes to practice with it. And then you put it back down until the next Sunday at 10 o'clock. And you pick it up for 30 minutes to practice with it and put it down until the next Sunday. How do you think that soldier would fare in warfare? Not very well. The, the only offensive weapon he has to, to attack the enemy is, is a sword, but he only practices with it 30 minutes a week. We as believers need to be studying, meditating on the word of God. So that when the attacks of the, of the devil come, we know what portion of scripture to turn to. When you're struggling with this sin or being tempted in this way, you know exactly where to turn in your Bible. 
The Holy Spirit brings it right to your mind. And maybe you've experienced that before. Maybe you're a student of the Word, and, and, and when certain things come up in your life, this, this passage of Scripture just comes to your mind, and you say, thank you, Lord, for that, because I needed that right now. So Paul says, pick up the helmet and the sword, and then he says, pray at all times. Praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. So we've, we've now put on all the pieces of the armor. And as we fight this battle, we are to do it, how? We are to do it through prayer. That, that throughout the entire battle that we fight, the, the, it is to be one where we are constantly and regularly praying and coming before God. At all times in the spirit. This is, this is very common with other things that Paul has, has written. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says that we are to pray without ceasing. Why don't we pray sometimes in our lives? When, when, when we know that things are difficult, when things are going on, you know, oftentimes I think it's because we think we can handle it on our own, right? I know I do sometimes. I got this. But this battle is to be fought through prayer. That, that, a part, that what we are to do is, is to regularly be praying to God. It doesn't mean that, that you can't engage with anyone else throughout your day because all you're doing is praying, right? Because prayer happens. It can happen in any way, shape, or form as, as you talk to God and praise God. But it's, it's that prayer becomes a habit and not a last resort. Sometimes prayer is our last resort. Nothing else has worked. I'm going to pray. And Paul says... Prayer should become your first choice, not your last resort. We are also to pray for all the saints. Why is that? Because, because this battle that we fight in our lives is not unique to you. It's not only Tony's fight. Every believer around the world is engaged in this same battle. And as we've been talking about through the whole book of Ephesians, we're united in Christ, we're one family, right? Well, it doesn't matter what color your skin is or what football team you root for, right? We are one in Christ, and we are to come before God on behalf of our brothers and sisters. But, but look before that. Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance. Paul tells us how to pray. What does it mean to be alert, to, to be attentive? I, I don't know if you've ever been praying before and your mind starts to wander, right? Your mind starts to wander. Maybe it's that football game that's coming on soon, or, or, or maybe it's your cell phone sitting there and it just went off, or, or, or other things that come up in life. But Paul says, listen, when you pray, be alert. Pray intentionally. William McDonald, a commentary, uh, one of the commentaries I, I love to use, says this. Prayer requires spiritual keenness, alertness, and concentration. 
And there must be perseverance in prayer. We keep on asking and seeking and knocking. And God doesn't tell us to come before him one time. He tells us to cast our burdens at his feet. We come before God again and again and again and again. Sometimes with the exact same request. I know there are, there are so many different needs in the congregation this morning. And as you go throughout your week this week, come before God again and again and again and again on behalf of your brothers and sisters that are sitting in the same room as you. We know God hears us the first time but he's given us the privilege of being able to approach him again and again. Paul closes out this section by saying, and also for me, asking for prayers also for him, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We, we know that Paul has been in prison. We know his situation is, is not one of, of convenience, of comfort, right? That he's in a different, difficult circumstance. And what he says to them is, listen, guys, hey, can you pray for me? And he doesn't say, pray that I'm, I'm delivered out of prison or out of persecution. Pray that the gospel will come boldly from my mouth. In the very beginning, we talked about Paul's circumstances. And to close this morning, I, I also want to go back to Paul's circumstances. Um, Paul could have asked them for anything. He could have asked the church in Ephesus for anything. To ask God for anything. But his one request to them, and we see this in the beginning of the book, and we also see it at the end of his letter, is that he will be given the ability to proclaim the gospel boldly, despite his circumstances. And as we go through, through different things in, in our lives, it, it is so easy for us to become focused on our circumstances. And some circumstances are, are, are horrible and difficult. But let me encourage you that through those difficult circumstances, Ask God for Paul's perspective. That you can share the gospel boldly with whoever God brings in your path. So ten weeks in the book of Ephesians. I pray that God has opened the eyes of all of our hearts to see what, what he wanted us to learn and what he wanted us to see. My encouragement to you this week is that you put on the full armor of God on a daily basis. Not like the guy in the video last week. You don't actually have to carry a sword around with you everywhere you go. But that in truth, in faith, with a boldness to share the gospel, knowing that you've been saved, knowing the word of God, you might get up every morning and say, God, use me for your glory. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you for 
the chance we have to study your word, sing your praises. Father, the chance we have to pray for our brothers and sisters who are going through different struggles in life. Father, we know that that this is a very real battle. That Satan's schemes are, are intricate. That it, sometimes they, they happen over a long period of time as, as we've seen in our, our own country. But Father, we know that you are greater than anything Satan could ever do. Father, help us to find our strength in you and to daily put on the whole armor of God. Father, may our lives shine brightly for you. In Jesus' name.